afternoon. I've recorded the same intro to this episode three times. Excuse me. The first time I recorded it, and I've just burped, so I probably should record it again, but I cannot. The first time I recorded it, my voice was so deep at the beginning, I sounded like a man. Uh, And the second time I started coughing. So yeah, I just keep deleting them and starting again, but I'm not starting this one again. So this is the opening segment, warts and all. I've been really sick. I've had tonsillitis. So you would have had an episode a couple of weeks ago, but you didn't because I had barely any voice. And I was feeling very, very sorry for myself. And equally feeling frustrated because I hadn't got on with my get shit done list for January 2020. So I basically scrubbed it all out and left about three things on it, uh, two of which I've done. And this is the last one, which is to record another episode. Uh, I know it's a, a bug that's going around and I've had lots of people say to me they've got they've had laryngitis or tonsillitis. So if you're buggy, then I really feel for you because it's grim. Um, what have I been up to? Well, I've still got one piece of news that I can't announce yet. Uh, some of you have guessed, which is really cute, um, or you've guessed correctly. Um, and I hope in the next episode I can announce it, probably announce it on social media before then. But until then, uh, we have firmed up our plans for our one-day event. Amy, Matt and I are going to be doing a one-day event called I Am Enough in just near Twickenham towards the end of March. And as soon as our event, event bright listing is done, we'll, I'll put the link on this podcast episode show notes. Very excited about that. Very, very, very excited. So I'm hoping a lot of you can come to that. Uh, what else has been going on? Not a lot, really. Um, I've chosen not to look at the news as a continued experiment. And those of you that are outside the UK, uh, you'll probably understand that tomorrow is Brexit for us. So uh, that's going to be kind of depressing. Might have a duvet day. Actually, I can't have a duvet day because I've got a meeting tomorrow. But I might have a duvet evening and just eat lots of giant strawberries or some Haribo sours and uh, feel very sorry for myself. But anyway, I'm not going to talk about anything political. I want to talk about the social media trap today. This is a mini series that I'm doing on, it's like a mental health makeover. And this episode was originally supposed to be episode five. And then I read something on Instagram that inspired me to do it now, because I'm noticing a lot of people are struggling with this. And not that they're saying they're struggling with it, but I can see people battling with comparison and not feeling enough. So I really want to do this. And I made a note of this, uh, this paragraph that I'm about to say, and I can't remember who wrote it, but it struck a chord with me. And it struck a chord with me because... Uh, even though my 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 social media usage is right down now, uh, and my depression and anxiety fluctuates, but is pretty much under control. I don't get these big swings anymore. I feel fairly level. I noticed I was falling into a familiar trap of going to follow people that I thought might inspire me, 
but actually don't. They push the comparison button in me. And I notice it in client work that I do with people. And the client work I do is is often a reflection of stuff that I have battled with in the past. And it's a really wonderful reminder and a gift to me, really, to make sure that I'm in check, to make sure that I am being mindful, I guess, of the interactions I have, the people I follow, the the constant work it takes to keep my depression and anxiety at bay. And so I want to read you this paragraph because it was an instruction that I've now written down and put on my phone as a reminder every day. And it is, stop following anything or anyone on social media that makes you feel in any way bad about yourself, less than, not enough, or like you are doing something wrong. And it's really, really important, this paragraph. I'm just going to read it again. Stop following anything or anyone on social media that makes you feel in any way bad about yourself, less than, not enough, or like you are doing something wrong. And it it sticks out with me. It, it sticks out. It, that's the wrong expression. It, it presses a button in me because often people say, oh, I'm going to unfollow this person because I don't like the way they do something. Or I'm going to unfollow this person because um, they're a fitspo and I'm never going to look like them. And I, I followed them initially for some inspiration, but actually I just feel bad about myself. Um, but the last sentence of the paragraph is the most important one. Like you are doing something wrong. And I see this a lot in the diet culture that we're in and these various diet camps that are now at war with each other. So the vegan plant-based diet camp versus the keto or carnivore diet camp. And I see a lot of mudslinging. Um, but within those camps, there seems to be an almost religious element to them where you have to do it exactly by the letter or you are doing something wrong. And I think in January, when people are most likely to diet, that is especially important that you're not preached at and made to feel bad for doing something wrong. So it's not just the comparison I want to talk about today. It's the feeling that you're doing something wrong. And I'm going to give you an example of this. So I have been following a plant-based diet for quite a long time now. I'm not going to use the word diet because that's shit. Plant-based way of eating for quite a long time now. And I'd started following some people in the plant-based food world and hadn't really paid much attention until fairly recently when I noticed that they were becoming so pedantic about rules um, uh, on a plant-based diet. So I'll give you an example. Um, a plant-based diet is, it, it was popularized by Dr. Esselstyn, uh, John McDougall, uh, Joel Furman. There was quite a few people in that space. And uh, it came out of the, or it became popular following the movie 
forks over knives, a lot of which I don't particularly believe in. But I like the principle behind the diet. But there are various ways of form, uh, following it. So people who, the reason it was so popularized after the film is because it was found to be very good for people with heart disease, high blood pressure. Um, and it's essentially a whole grain plant-based diet with no or pretty much no fat in it whatsoever. And it was shown to have really good effects on people suffering with these diseases. Then the dieting world got hold of it and it became uh, a way of losing a lot of weight if you were very overweight. Um, but it's very, very, it, it's a very strict regime to follow because if you're just eating fruits, vegetables, um, whole grains, so lots of starchy whole grains, brown rice, potatoes, sweet potatoes, blah, 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 and you're having no fat, it's actually very restrictive. And what I noticed was there's a few groups that I belong to is people started mudslinging. So people would kindly put out recipes and then someone would say, oh, yeah, but, you know, you can't post stuff like that. It's got no you're not supposed to have any fat in it. Or anyway, I'm I'm going to bang on about this if I'm not careful. But what I didn't like about that message was that they were essentially telling other people that unless they were perfect with it, they were doing it wrong. And I'm using that as ex example because it's a way of eating I'm actually interested in. Um, I don't follow the zero fat approach because I don't want to lose any weight. So I add some nuts and avocados and stuff like that. But it's primarily the foods that I really like to eat. So I find it fairly easy. Um, but I make up my own rules about it. I don't strictly follow it. And I don't let anyone tell me that my way of doing it is wrong because we we are all an experiment of one. So what works for one person doesn't work for another, blah, blah, blah. But that's because I have fairly strong self-esteem and confidence in what I'm doing. But I, I just don't like these hidden messages around doing something wrong. I don't like this bashing of, of you know, these diets that have become almost a religion and a tribe. I don't like this war between people and I don't like people telling others that they're wrong. It's up to other people what they put in their mouth. And um, yeah, it's it's their journey. So fuck it, you know, you, you do you. But it's happening in everything now. Um, and so I, I took a look at the people that I still follow. And I had another cull quite recently, because what I noticed was some people that I followed in the beginning, I followed because they inspired me. So they might be, I don't know, sports people or um, fitness people, doctors, um, various experts, fitness guys, whatever. But the rule that I added to the paragraph that I read at the beginning was, to unfollow every account on Instagram that makes you feel like you need to be someone else. And there are too many experts out there. There are too many people within an opinion. And I tend not to follow people now that make me feel like I need to be someone else. Because I don't need to be someone else. 
I I just need to be me and I need to do what's right for me. And I had probably two years ago fallen into the trap of following, for example, strong is the new skinny as a hashtag. But then I found myself looking at these people thinking, well, I'm not as muscly as them. So if, if strong is the new way to be and we all need to get stronger and whatever, I'm not strong enough because they're far more muscly than me. Um, and I know people that I've coached who have followed people, uh, for example, who have lost a lot of weight. So they people who are on a weight loss journey will often go and follow people who've lost an extreme amount of weight. But then they stack themselves up against someone who has lost, I don't know, 100 pounds. And, and, and they come back to me and say, but Bridget, I, I don't feel good enough. I haven't lost enough. I haven't, um, you know, I haven't succeeded. Where They are comparing their own success journey with someone else's success, success journey. And that's a recipe for disaster. So be very mindful. My, my first piece of advice to you is be very mindful about who you follow. And unfollow every account on Instagram that makes you feel like you need to be someone else. Because you don't need to be someone else. And a piece of advice when you go to follow someone, ask yourself the question, am I following them because they are like me? Or am I following them because I want to be like them? And I tend to follow people now who share the same sense of humor as me, um, don't take life too seriously, are doing a craft that I, I mean, I love crafting. So doing a craft or teaching a craft that I want to learn. Um, or I follow, you know, singers or up, up and coming singers or musical theatre people or stuff that I'm never going to do, but I actually really appreciate. And I've stopped unfollowing the people. So another good trick, unfollow the people that, you know, when you look at Instagram stories or Facebook stories, you constantly move on to the next one because you're like, oh God, here they go again. I'm bored with this. And you, you swipe to the next person's story, unfollow those people because you've already made a decision that what they've got to say and what they've got to show you isn't for you. And often people will jump forward or swipe forward because that person triggers something in them. And I noticed I was swiping forward on people who were much stronger than me. And it's because it was triggering me. So I just stopped following them. I've only had two people ask me why, why I stopped following them. Uh, and I would just simply say, oh, God, did I? I didn't realize. And then end the conversation because I don't really need to give them a reason. I would guess if they pushed me hard enough, I would tell them. Um, but if I don't have to tell them, then I won't because actually I don't want them to feel bad. It's not them doing anything wrong. It's just them triggering me, I guess. So that's the next piece of advice. The second piece of advice, well, not the second piece of advice first, the, the second area I want to discuss is what people share on social media. Now, I'm not here to make up rules for anyone. Yeah, yeah. like I said before, you do you. I am noticing 
that people who share a lot, and I used to share a lot on Instagram and Facebook. Those of you who are friends with me on Facebook will know that I pretty much only share funny videos and photographs now. I don't really reveal a lot about my private life, uh, ditto on Instagram. I've made a conscious effort not to share stuff for a while because I wanted to see how it made me feel. So, yeah, I, I share very little. But uh, I noticed that a lot of people share a lot of information about themselves. Now, I understand that if you're an Instagram star and you are well-known because you have given people an insight into your day-to-day life every single day, then I, I totally get why you are, you're doing that. And if you feel comfortable with that, then that's great. But someone I spoke to recently who has done that for a few years now and has a really massive following is starting to feel very anxious about the amount of information her followers have on her. And that sometimes she wakes up in the morning and doesn't feel like sharing that, uh, but she feels she has to anyway. Part of the anxiety around social media, I feel, is that in such a noisy world, people feel like they have to tell people what they're up to. They have to share stuff in order to be remembered and to be noticed without understanding that giving people information on you can also lead to anxiety depression and or anxiety. And what I've noticed, uh, and one of the reasons I want to do this episode now, is because we're in January and I've seen so many people post on their stories that they have fallen off the wagon. And those people had publicly declared on social media that they were, I don't know, not going to eat sugar for January. They were going to do veganry. They were going to not drink alcohol for January. They were going to whatever. And again, that's totally their choice. But had publicly declared it. And then as January was progressing, they were sharing details of whatever particular adventure in that area they were up to. And then felt like they had to be honest and say, I fell off the wagon. Now, I hate the expression fallen off a wagon because uh, as long as there is a wagon to fall off, you're going to fall off it eventually, uh, unless you are of the extreme minority that finds it very easy to stick to things. And publicly admitting that someone has, that they've fallen off a wagon, uh, well, first of all, is ignoring the problem, which is falling off is not the problem. It's the wagon that's the problem. But I notice people, because they have overshared so much about their goals, that they then have to publicly declare that something isn't working for them. And then I see them disappear for a section of time and reappear when they're feeling better. And my second part of advice on on this topic, on the social media trap, is that I found it so much better for my mental health when I stopped sharing details about my life. I will occasionally share the odd thing, but if you've noticed, if you follow me, I've pretty much stopped 
posting any kind of selfie. Um, yeah, I, I don't really think that anyone needs to see endless photos of me. Um, and I think in a in a world now where we've got so used to knowing everything about someone, um, I don't know. Are we going to regret this in years to come? Are we going to regret the amount of personal sharing we have done? Um, it's something to think about. And if you are affected by your social media usage and you do have these ups and downs of depression and anxiety that you feel are triggered by social media, it would be, my, my advice to you would be, try spending two weeks not sharing stuff on social media. So maybe share, I don't know, other people's stuff that you feel inspired or make you laugh or um, maybe cut back on sharing personal stuff about you just for two weeks and see how you feel. Because, and I'm going to say something very, very controversial now, but I'm going to say it anyway, in the spirit of honesty. If we are honest with ourselves, if we post something that is troubling us, oh no, let me go in reverse. When you post something very personal to you that may have been something negative that has happened to you, or something positive that you've achieved, are you only doing it to see who responds and what response you get? Because I definitely used to do that years ago. I would, and I'm talking quite a long time ago now, I would post something, and if I'm honest, I was posting it because I was looking for a response, be it admiration, be it confirmation, be it condolence or support. Um, do we need that? Do, do we as humans need that adoration, confirmation, uh, condolence from most of the time strangers? I don't know that we do. I think we think we do, but actually I think it's damaging. So I've got another little experiment for you to do whatever you post I want you to post imagining that no one is going to see it but you in a couple of weeks so only I want you to try and post stuff that in your head only you are going to see in a couple of weeks I would like you to practice ref refraining from posting stuff just to get adoration, likes, acceptance, confirmation, condolence. If you have a problem and you are feeling lonely about it, I think it's far better to reach out to someone you know and explain that problem than post it on social media and have a whole load of people message you back. Because... Let me give you an example. So, and she won't mind me saying this, one of my friends broke up with her long-term partner very recently. And she actually messaged me and said, I was going to put this on social media, but I don't feel strong enough at the moment. I'm telling you 
because I'd like you to know that I'm struggling. And it it really touched me because actually what we've become so used to doing is posting something and everyone knowing instantly that we've got a problem. When actually, and, and given that she and her, her now ex-partner had lots of friends in common, do you want 100 people messaging you saying, oh my God, I'm so sorry, and what went wrong? And No, you don't really. Deep down, you want to tell someone who's going to understand and is going to support you. So again, only if you feel comfortable doing this. Try this as an experiment because I think you will see your your levels of anxiety change. Because equally, if you post something, you are then you then have that anticipation of response and volume of response, which in itself is quite stressful. So try that as an experiment. Try just only posting stuff that you imagine you would look back on in a couple of weeks that no one else is going to see. So let's say you've you've done those, you've had a go at those tips and tricks, you've unfollowed some people, you have really been mindful about what you post and who you're posting to. And actually, I just remembered uh, another very good way of managing that is just to have a close friends list. Um, I know various people who will post stuff out to the public and then have a close friends list that they just post personal stuff to. That can work. I, I'm still not convinced about that. But um, if you find that works for you, then great. And let's say you've, you've done all the work and you've got yourself to an even even keel uh, with the whole social media world. One thing that I really, really recommend, there are two strategies I use whenever I'm feeling very down or anxious that can be applied to social media if something triggers you or actually in general. And the two things that I really recommend are uh, breath work and humor. So in all my experimenting with what improves my mental health exercise definitely helps me uh i love walking i love going spinning as you know i love going running um but actually often i'm not in a position to do that um in the moment so i find breath work really really helps and i am going to right at the end of this episode when i said goodbye i'm actually going to follow that on with just a very small breathe, guided breathing that you can tap into. If you're listening to this when driving, obviously don't do the exercise at the end of the podcast. Um, but I'll save it for the end of the podcast so you can go back to it and just skip to the end in the future. If you want to do something that just calms you down in the moment. And when we do our one day retreat, Matt, Amy and I, we're going to end the day with some guided meditation and some breath work. And I'm going to teach people a few breathing exercises that I found really helped me. So if at the end of this episode you want to do that, then I would love you to have a go at it. So breath work in the moment really helps me. And I usually have a strategy of breath work and then some humor. So I either, if I'm feeling particularly anxious, I either do my breath work and then uh, go in search of funny accounts on social media. And there's a few that I follow that really make me laugh. Or I go and watch something 
that really makes me giggle. So Michael McIntyre, I love. And the whole spice cupboard, spice rack thing just makes me laugh. Peter Kay really makes me giggle. If I want to be really controversial, then I will listen to someone um, a little harsher. But I don't recommend that generally in for people or for myself if I'm feeling particularly anxious because some of the jokes are so close close to the mark that actually they're quite stressful so go and find some funny accounts or go and watch some friends or a, a comedian that you really like because I find that snaps me out of that moment of I could really go downhill quite fast if I'm not careful so breath work and then humor are the two things that send me right back up again and make me feel good. And I'm not saying, you know this, that we I've spoken about this before. I'm not saying you have to walk around in a perpetual state of, you know, upbeat and happy and jazz hands. Um, I'm looking for people to become more even. So that gray area, that middle ground, not ecstatically happy and not right down there in the doldrums, but somewhere along the middle because I find that I certainly function best at that level and I think other people do too. So that's going to be it for my social media trap episode. I would love it if you connected with me on Instagram. Uh, if you can share the episode, that would be great. I love it when uh, people share it. it. Yeah, I was going to say it ticks that significant box, but if I'm honest, it does. Um, and But I would love some some feedback too if you've got anything you think could be improved I know sometimes I waffle but that's because I'm in my bed and I'm cozy and my mind takes me and us on a journey so uh, I'm still practicing this podcast stuff I'm still getting to get to grips with it and trying to find my natural speaking voice and just share with you the stuff that I'm interested in so until the next episode of my mini mental health makeover, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Let's ignore Bre ignore the fact that Brexit's happening tomorrow and go out and do something fun instead. Lots of love. I'm going to put this podcast episode right at the end. Um, podcast episode? See, I'm, I'm waffling. I'm going to put the breathing ep episode uh, section right at the end. So you can fast forward it to to it in the future and get it done. Lots of love. So this breathing exercise is really, really simple. And I've got lots of breath work techniques that I've learned, but I'm going to share this one with you because this I find very, very easy to get into in the moment. And it's called box breathing. So the principle behind it is that you close your eyes and you imagine an outline of a square in front of you. And you're going to follow that square with your breath round and round. And I, I like having a square to follow. I, I like being able to visualize moving my breath around the square. The other thing I like about it is that it has breath counts and it has hold counts. And the holding I find very, very calming. Be very mindful of doing this if you're pregnant. So seek your, your doctor's advice about doing any kind of breath work when you're pregnant. Um, but if you're not, then I don't see any reason why you can't jump into it and use it if you ever feel anxious. I, I only do this 
if I'm sitting down or I'm lying down in bed. Um, I don't tend to do this when walking and I especially don't do it when I'm driving. So if you are listening to this at end of this episode and you're somewhere comfy where you can sit and close your eyes and visualize it, then great. So I'd like you to either sit cross-legged if that's comfortable for you. You can put a cushion under your bottom or lie down. Um, those of you that know yoga, it's quite nice to lie in savasana. Uh, so lie down with your eyes closed, um, palms turned up, feet spread. You can spread them wider than hip width and just relax. And what you're going to do now is close your eyes and I would like you to imagine a square in front of you. And we're going to start on that bottom straight, the horizontal bit at the bottom. And you're going to breathe in for four counts. So we're going to go in for four. One, two, three, and four. Then we're going to hold two, three, four. Then exhale, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four. So that is, that's what we're going to do. And I'm going to take you through several rounds of that. When I say hold, it's holding your breath. But when you hold your breath, I want you to just imagine that you stop. So instead of consciously tightening up and holding, I want everything relaxed. And it's almost like you just stop for that count of four, okay? So have a little wriggle around, close your eyes again, and I'm gonna take you through several cycles of this so that you've got something to follow. And I won't say anything at the end of it so that you can just carry on with the breath work. Okay, so starting, we're gonna breathe in, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four, and exhale, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four, and inhale, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four, and exhale, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four, and inhale, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four, and exhale, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four, and inhale, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four, and exhale, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four, and inhale, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four, and exhale, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four, 